Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2022. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. <laughs> There's a delay because Carrie has There's a delay. headphones on. But it's not like a massive delay, oh, but guys, no. that's, why, that's why it's funny. It's why I think we're, we're cluing them in. We're going to explain the situation today, but we'll continue the intro. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but... We ran out of episodes, and then we broke down all 24 episodes of the iconic spinoff, The Golden Palace, but we ran out of those episodes, too. So now, now we do whatever the hell we want. Mic drop, but not really because it's expensive. That is right. And today we are continuing our Golden Girls fandom uh, with a Beyond Golden Girls episode. Uh, as you all know, we'll be breaking down all the film and TV projects that B, Betty, Estelle, and Rue did outside of the Golden Girls. It started as just beyond the Golden Girls, but now we're like, fuck it. It's before the Golden everything. Girls. It's projects they were doing during the Golden Girls. It's everything. So it is just everything beyond the Golden Girls. Since we're in December, we figured we would uh, dedicate this entire Holly Jolly Month to Christmas <laughs> episodes and movies that each girl acted in outside of the Golden Girls. Today is a wait, wait. Betty day. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Before we announce what we're watching, I have I have a thing I have to play. Sure. Because I, so this is a show, this is a sitcom that we're, we're, we're doing today, a Christmas episode of a sitcom that Betty was on. And I love this show. And I love this theme song so much that I had to play it because I feel like I just have to sing it. I, I mean, I feel like, I'm here for it. You can turn. Oh, wait, not yet, not yet. Get ready, though. <clears throat> you can turn the world on with her smile. This is the best. This is like the Friends theme song. This is the Golden Rose theme song. It's so good. It's good. It's good. Make it all seem worthwhile. And you, girl, and you should know it. With each okay, we'll do we're done. We're done. No one needs to hear me scream. Love is all around, no need to waste it. You can have a town, why don't you take it? You're gonna make it after all. Wait, I need a hat. I need a hat. 
Throw it, throw it. Got a hat. Gonna make it after all. I'm doing a freeze frame. Okay. <laughs> I. That was beautiful. Oh, oh my god! I had to pick up the hat. Um. Yeah. So we're doing the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> <laughs> That was what what a lovely surprise. You didn't tell me you were going I, to do that. What a I what a love, great surprise. So we before we even get into the Mary Tyler Moore show, we should explain the sound difference because there's Carrie's computer is in the shop right now. It's it's out of commission, which is fine because it's December and we're all kind of out of commission. Wear those loose pants. Have fun. Don't stress. But she is joining me today via Bluetooth headphones, which explains the delay. And now you all know the difference in sound. So, you know, just it's going to be a fun one anyway. You're going to have fun with it. Yeah, we're going to have fun. I can also tell you, I can tell you the reason why my computer um, is in the shop right now. It's because um, Stan was feeding little Oreo and she has this smock that she wears like a painter when she eats messy foods. And he took the smock off. As do I. Yes. And... (laughs) He just walked into the room with a look on his face because he knows I'm telling this embarrassing story. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so uh, earlier in the day, I had ordered um, a bunch of stuff on Shutterfly for our family for Christmas, like a calendar that has photos of baby Oreo for my in-laws, a magnet with baby Oreo for my brother-in-law, all the stuff of baby Oreo. But to get free shipping, I had to spend another $25. So I decided to get a candle, like a a spiced apple cider candle. And Mm. it has little Oreos, little pictures all around it. Oh, that's sweet. And so I bring it home. It smells so good. So I decide to burn that candle. Um, I know you're like, wait, how does this? Everyone knows where this is going. Where am I going with the? I don't know if they do, but maybe maybe you're ahead of it. Um, so I decided to burn this candle with little Oreo's face on it, uh, on this little tray in the center of our dining room table. So Stan finishes feeding little Oreo and we're all playing over in the living room. We have an open floor plan, so it's, it's open. And all of a sudden our fire alarms in our place start going off and we're like, what? And we look up in the dining room and the dining room table is on fire small fire probably about a, like a 12 inch like little wow. line maybe yeah. maybe maybe eight, eight inches of, of fire on the table yeah. and we rush over uh and realize that he had put little oreos smock on the candle that has little oreos face on it burning <sighs> so stan did what i mean he was very heroic in that moment i went to slowly fill up a tiny pitcher of water <laughs> and stan went and grabbed the fire extinguisher and extinguished the flame, and in doing so, uh, extinguished my laptop because <laughs> it was on the table. And he um, he blew the fire extinguisher right on my laptop. Also yeah. his, but his is fine. But his isn't fine enough to work Zoom, I guess. But anyway, so um, so there was a fire. <laughs> and you're getting it fixed. It's going to be fixed. No fear. But like, just we're glad that. You know, all of you are okay. I also want to say, and this is just something that popped in my head. Now, I love a candle, right? Like they just recently had a, a Bath and Body Works sort of like sale that I went crazy on candles, like crazy. I, I missed it. I never miss those sales. I will, I will, I will deal with holiday mall traffic to get one of those candles. Anyway, 
I do think it's kind of frightening. And I'm sure it's cute. And a little Oreo is very, very cute. Very cute. However, when the candle burns down, let's say like three-fourths of the way, right? And at that point, it's just a flame with her picture and a flame behind her head. And she becomes Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. You know what I mean? That is a real, um, but I'm bummed now because I'll never know what that looks like because I had to throw the candle away because it had melted smock in it. <laughs> and it would have been, it would have been really irresponsible to burn a candle that is putting plastics into the air, even though it says BPA free on the pack. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some there's shit something. in there that you're not supposed to be inhaling. Yeah. Well, so anyway, not only okay. that, it took, it took us, we're okay. It did take us three hours to clean up. I will say this. I was not aware that when you use a fire extinguisher, it leaves a yellow dust in its wake that you have to clean up. So we ha- yeah. we spent three hours cleaning the area that had been sprayed and cleaning toys and all while little Oreo was still awake and was like fussy and and then she shit in the tub and then the dog shit on the floor. Yeah. It was a whole night. Well, she, but just, anyway. she just now shit in the tub. She shit in the tub again, delaying the, the oh. recording of this podcast about 15 yeah. minutes. Yes, she shit in the tub and then took a gulp of the tub water. So we also had oh. to Google, is my baby okay? Is my toddler okay? She drank poop water. But oh. anyway. The, the Googling of young parents, I think, is or first-time parents is probably a whole live show. You could do a whole live show just on Google searches that first-time parents do. Yeah, a lot of times you can tell I'm a first time parent because I say stuff to like my mom where I go, little Oreo did this, Aurora did that. And she goes, oh, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Yeah, no, no, care. she's fine. <laughs> my mom was like that, too. There are like no pictures of me because by the time I got around, my mom was just like, babies are babies. It's fine. Like, I was, <laughs> oh, no. There were so much. My mom had so many and it just, it, I don't know. I, I, I love my mom's approach to parenting because she's very much like, Nope, get up. They're fine. Don't worry about them. <laughs> Which is true. That is. Yeah. Oh, man. That is, that's so funny. It feels like there's a degree of, oh, okay, my mom isn't going to be hovering, you know, over me. But on the but on the other hand, you're like, but there aren't a lot of pictures. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's not a lot of pictures of me, but I'm okay with that. Although when we did Latter-day Jew, the film, the documentary, uh, the director was like, how do you have no childhood pictures? And I'm like, they didn't care by the time I came around. There were already a bunch of pictures of babies. You could literally take any picture of my brothers and that would be me. I will say in Latter-day Jew, which listeners, if you have not seen it, where can I watch it, by the way? Is it like, is it, it on, anywhere? Yeah, internationally, they can watch it in a lot of places. But right now it's on Tubi, I think. Tubi? I know Tubi. Cool. It, it's yeah, coming, Tubi's it, a thing. It's coming to other places too very soon. I just got an email from the director. So, But I stay out of that. That's I just, amazing. Sure. I will say my favorite scenes in that documentary were the ones of you and your mother together. Yeah. They were so sweet. I loved them so much. Yeah, we're very um, anyway. Anyway, I need to talk about another person that is not a mother. Well, she was a mother in the Dick Van Dyke show, but not on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And it was iconic. It was iconic. Had you ever watched the Mary Tyler Moore show? So here is my history with the Mary Tyler Moore show. No, <laughs> no, I have no history. I no, I have no history. It's one of those shows that I know is incredibly iconic, like yeah. the Golden Girls. 
for some reason, I, I didn't watch it, but I was, I'm aware of Sue Ann Nibbins and I've watched a lot of scenes of, of Betty White in it. And I also know like, and you're going to talk about like how progressive it was for women at the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely aware of it in that sense. And I feel like as a woman and as a TV writer, I should watch it. Yeah. But I will say, and this was just an episode, um, yeah. which by the way, if you want to watch along, we watched uh, it's season five, episode nine, uh, not a Christmas story, which you can watch on Hulu, Hulu. Yeah. Um, but I will say the writing in this episode, which now makes me just want to binge all seasons. Like I've been watching a ton of murder. She wrote. Cause I like was like, Oh yeah, I love this show. Mm-hmm. Um, because we did the Rue episode, but yeah, watching this show, I was like the writing yeah. and the acting is so good that, wow, it's magical. This story wasn't about a whole lot and it no. was still so funny. And it kind of reminded me of the episode of friends, the one yeah. where no one's ready yep. where the whole episode is just, it's just, Ross has a thing, a big fancy event, and nobody's ready to go to it, and he's getting frustrated. And it is the most simple story, and it's one of the yeah. best written episodes it's of so television, funny. I think, in terms of sitcom. It's so funny that you bring and that. That's how I felt about this episode because that's how that was how I sort of how I got drawn into the Mary Tyler Moore show. So when I was a kid, I of course am a big film buff. I love movies, and my favorite movie of all time is Terms of Endearment, which stars Shirley MacLaine and Deborah Winger and so many other great people. And it was written, directed, and produced, and all the things by James L. Brooks. Now, that was his first movie. And I, when I discovered Terms of Endearment, I didn't know anything about James L. Brooks, literally nothing. And I, back then, because there was no IMDb, I had to like go to like Barnes and Noble and look up stuff, you know? And uh, I went and I found out he was one of the creators of The Simpsons, which I was like, oh, that's cool, cool, because I watched The Simpsons. I did then, I do now too. Um, and then I found out that he had this whole iconic, television history before he had ever directed films, which was Mary Tyler Moore show, Rhoda, like all of these shows, the Lou Grant spinoff, which was a dramatic series based on a comedy character that originated on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Insane, right? Like they made a drama off of, which is very similar to Bel Air now. Like they made a drama off what was originally a comedy. Incredible. But so I learned of Mary Tyler Moore from my obsession with James L. Brooks. And then I started watching it and I'm like, and I was watching friends at the same time. Cause this was in like the late nineties, you know, early aughts. And I saw so many similarities between friends and Mary Tyler Moore show more so than the golden girls. Cause I love the golden girls, but the writing was just very different. Um, but on the Mary Tyler Moore show, they, it really is just a group of friends in a workplace comedy who are sharing their lives together. That's really the show. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it was, and again, for someone who I'm so embarrassed, I know that there are going to be fans listening who are like, how could you not carry your nuts? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's just, I just never got around to it. Yeah. Um, well, it's just, before we were yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah, sure. But, but yeah, their, their chemistry, the, yeah, just the directing, the yeah. writing. Yeah, it, it well, did. And, it it felt like they were all old good friends, but but, but but work friends, like yeah, work and yes. family friends. But and the character of Mary Richards now, yeah. like in the lexicon of television history, but also just American history. I think this show is so fascinating because it came in 1970, right? And Mary Tyler Moore had been known to everyone as Dick Van Dyke's wife on the Dick Van Dyke show. And she was this wholesome, funny, 
mom. She had kind of been like, she had kind of been in a, in a lot of ways, the Lucy of the sixties. You know what I mean? She was, I mean, the Dick Van Dyke show was huge and, and they were huge and they won a ton of Emmys and they were sort of like the picture of the American family. And then in the late sixties, of course, we all know Vietnam war, Nixon, all the unrest, the assassinations, et cetera. And the women's rights movement was coming about. And it was this character, Mary Tyler Moore's character of Mary Richards, who everyone viewed her as this sort of like symbol of domesticity. You know what I mean? Like she was the mom, she was the wife. That's what she played. Those were the characters. And here she was a single woman. She had just, I think, been engaged and then she left her husband or left her fiance. And she decided to go out and do her own thing and work in this news station and get her own career. And the whole series was about just her being her, <laughs> literally, in like yeah. in this world as a single woman. And it's just, it's kind of like if Sarah Jessica Parker had played like a mom and a wife and everything and then went and did Sex in the City. That's the impact that Mary Tyler right. Moore had with the Mary Tyler Moore show. It's kind of incredible. And the fact that she was one of the few women at that time who could have a show named after them. Who was the one of the first women to have a show named after her? Betty White. Betty White in the 50s. Betty White had been around for years and years and years, but she had never, like since the 50s, she had never really sort of found her niche. You know what I mean? She had done a lot of game shows, did a lot of guest appearances and had a pet talk show. And she had done like things, but she was kind of sort of wandering around in a lot of ways. And then her husband, knew the producer of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And they knew that James L. Brooks had this character, Sue Ann Nivens, that they were going to bring in midway through the series because a lot of characters had had spinoff shows and everything, so they needed a new character. And they were going to bring her in just for, like, one episode. What happened? People went insane. They, like, loved her. It became massive. I mean, you'll hear it in this episode. The applause break that she gets for, like, a simple-ass joke was insane. People were obsessed with Sue Ann Nivens. Like, on a level that kind of surprises me to this day. You know what I mean? Like, I don't quite get it because I see a lot of characters on TV like Sue Ann Nivens now, but I think back then it was probably really revolutionary. What you said, so I didn't realize that they sort of like brought her in later on and that it was only meant for maybe like a guest spot because that yeah. reminds me of Estelle Getty and why yeah. Coco got pushed out, you yeah. know? Estelle yeah. Getty, you know, meant to just be there for the pilot and was going to maybe be maybe be a recurring guest star but then mm -hmm. having such star power and and her energy and her humor being so infectious at the pilot that they're like yeah. well she has to be a regular r.i.p coco yeah um and i'm not surprised given you're right i it was so hard for me to just choose a few yeah betty white clips to play from this episode because every line that she had was a banger yeah and when she did that first episode in season four it was the first season of first episode of season four she james l brooks she was like okay well bye and apparently she, it's quoted that james l brooks said don't make too many plans because they were going to completely rewrite and then 10 episodes later they like made her a regular and she was in until the end of the series and the thing about sue ann was that she was this like she played like the martha stewart of the network you know what i mean she was this happy homemaker and she was sweet and like lovable but she was also just kind of slutty and she was horny all the time. And she was kind of like a wisecracking, almost mean and conniving and like evil in a lot of ways. Like she would do anything. And you see it in this episode, she comes in all sweet and everything. And then you'll hear in the clips, you know, the things when we get to the episode, but it's, it's kind of incredible. And even at the end of the series, when everyone gets fired in the news station, right? Like everyone gets fired. She gets a job. Wait, I wrote this down. She finds work as a traveling com companion and, sort of a practical nurse to a wealthy elderly gentleman. Like, 
that's how America viewed Betty White leading into the Golden Girls as sort of a Blanche character. I was going to say, like, it feels she feels very Blanche and Sophia because you're right, that sort of conniving, you know, and then the the yeah, the sultriness of Blanche and the yeah. wit of Blanche. She was all um, and then she does have a little bit of. Yeah, I was going to say, and then she does have a little bit of Rose and like the homemaker thing. Yeah. And then she does have a little bit of Dorothy. It's wild. With some of her like sarcasm. Yeah, it, it, she really does kind of embody all of the women. Yeah, um, Betty White would go on yeah. to two of her five Emmys for the Mary Tyler Moore show. I think she was nominated every single year the show was on the air. Same with the Golden Girls. and But she only won once for the Golden Girls. And she said, I wrote down a quote that she said, because she loved Sue Ann Nivens. And she kind of, in her later years, she kind of adopted the sort of elderly Sue Ann Nivens because you would always see her at award, sh- award shows flirting and being sort of like body in a way. And that was very much Sue Ann Nivens, you know, like it, when you seeing it for the first time, you see that in her later years a lot. But she said of Sue Ann Nivens, of course, I love Sue Ann. She was rotten. You can't get much more rotten than the neighborhood nymphomaniac, which <laughs> I mean, like she's. I She's love it. One of those characters. I just love it. I love her and I love that we're watching this episode today. Me too. Should we Should we get should to we it? Take a break and just yeah, dive right in. Yeah. Let's get to it. Let's take a break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, let us dive right into this Christmas episode. Well, it's not a Christmas episode because technically it takes place in November, as they say. Yeah. Um, This whole episode is hinged on a phrase. Again, this is what I love about the simplicity of the, the episode. Murray on the show wrote a new sign off for Ted, which is good evening, who's the lead anchor. And he said, good evening. This is Ted Baxter with news from around the corner, around the world. Now, Ted wants to say, this is Ted Baxter with news from around the world, around the corner. And this whole episode is about how the two of them want different things. And they put, Mary in the middle of it. Yeah. And it That's it all just it. feels like theater and it's beautiful and amazing. That's all it is, is yeah. that he wants to say it one way, he wants to say it the other way. Mary's being kind of put in the middle mm-hmm. and she's being called like a pushover, she's being too nice, whatever, and they get yeah. Lou, the boss involved. And hey, Sue me, and, Niven, and it's just also perfect. I have a feeling a lot of people listening maybe don't know much about the Mary Tyler Moore show. So 
Mary Richards plays sort of like the writer, assistant, reporter. She's kind of like, she does a lot of things in the office. And it's like a news. She's, I think they call her an associate producer. Yeah. And she's a broad, she, it's a broadcast news, a local news station. And Lou Grant is the head of the news station. And then you have Ted, Ted Baxter. He's played by Ted Knight. He's the head anchor. And Murray Slaughter plays the, uh, or Murray Slaughter is the head writer on the newscast. And then you have Sue Ann Nivens, who hosts another show. And then you have Ted's wife, who is is Georgia Ingle, played by Georgette Franklin, who's incredible. And she was incredible on Everybody Loves Raymond as well. And that's the cast. That's basically the cast for this entire episode and all the weird things that happen around them. It was, it, It's so great. So, um, so, so, yeah, they decide to put Mary in the middle. And she's like, um, yeah, I'm going to decide on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Which, like that's such a thing like Friday end of the day, you're getting ready to pack up and somebody's like, Oh, I just need this one thing. So I really like that. Mary put her foot down and was like, I'll decide on Monday, which way you're going to say it, Ted, even though it seems like it's not a big deal. So the next day, Murray decides to drop by Mary's apartment. Mm. She just got out of the tub. She's in a towel. He's like, in no way does Murray say, oh, geez, sorry, you're in a towel. I'll come back. Yeah. He's just like, Mary, I got to apologize. I'm really sorry for putting you in that spot yesterday. And she keeps trying to leave by being like, so I'm in a towel. Let me just put something on. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll just be a second. Yeah. And then like the whole running joke is she's like, I'd love to put on a towel. And he's like, hang on. I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like this push pull. And I'm just like, um, like, dude, it's very much a situation like that would happen but on Friends. It's very much what would happen on Friends. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so he's like, "Look, I'm really sorry." She's like, "You know what? That's fine. I think the way that you wrote the line for Ted is the best. That's how we're gonna do it." And he's like, "Oh, thank God!" And like lunges for her. So now we're back to work on Monday. Big snowstorm is coming in, yeah. and speaking of big energy rolling in. This is when Sue Ann Nivens enters the scene. And before we play her entrance, can for a second we talk about what she is wearing? I mean, this entire episode she wears this. It is so good. I, one of these days, I want to ask Michael to describe it because I know that he knows all the right fashion terms. So I'm going to do my best, but I'd love to know if maybe not now, but later you can tell me what type of collar it is. But th what I will say, beautiful cherry red dress. It's got like long sleeves. I don't know what the shape of that collar is. It's not a Peter Pan collar. It's a, I, I don't know. There's like a divot in the center. Anyway, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's got this like cinched gold band waist. There are like holly berries and leaves on the collar. She's got a Santa Claus apron that somehow both childlike and sexy at the same time uh, yeah. she looked gorgeous yeah really i mean truly it was almost like a it what you would expect a mom in the 50s to be wearing for christmas day you know what i mean christmas dinner or something yes. like it was very the the picture of motherly perfection which is what her character is Oh, so, so great. Um, okay, let's let's play her intro now. It was just so good. Hi, people. <laughs> Hi. Isn't it simply beautiful out there? Mm. I mean, snow always inspires such awe in me. <laughs> just consider one single snowflake alone. 
so delicate, so fragile, so ethereal. And yet, let a billion of them come together through the majestic force of nature, they can screw up a whole city. It's just kind of like the way she delivers, and you hear that, you hear Betty White in the delivery, but it's just, it's just so unique, and no one else can do it the way she does. Yeah, it's that's the perfect way to describe it. It's just so Betty White. It's like the the tone, every everything I always compare to like Golden Girls, but the tone of this speech kind of reminded me of the speech she gave Daisy. Yeah. With that ending where she's like, and sometimes, you know, life just ain't fair, kiddo, and she kicks her out. It's like that funny, almost unexpected, hard ending she, to she, something really sweet preceding it. She always played, I think, the juxtaposition of a character so well. The thing is about, I, I've always thought about Betty White, is that she knows her character so well, which what makes her a great actress, of course. But she also knows the audience's perception of the character. And that is what made Betty White a great comic, because she was able to read the room read how people perceive her character and deliver a line in a way that she knows is going to get a laugh because she knows what the audience thinks about this woman. So smart. That's a really good way of describing it. Yeah, that's a really great way of describing it. You're absolutely right. Um, so Sue Ann tells everybody that she announces she just finished taping a special about Christmas dishes in many lands. She said, uh, I call it Yuletide Yummies for Worldwide Tummies. <laughs> and again, my mind immediately went to Golden Girls. And I was like, if Rose had said this, yeah. if Rose had said, I'm doing a Christmas special or book called Yule, like recipe book called Yuletide Yummies for Worldwide Dummies, you know that Rose would be like, oh, some of the dishes include, uh, you know, recipes that have ingredients like childhood wonder and holiday spirit and just like shit that you can't actually cook with. Yeah. And I, Dorothy would have come back with a quip about how it should be called Yuletide Yummies for Worldwide Dummies instead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if it were if if this were a Golden Girls uh, episode, I feel like that's where it would have gone. Um and then, and then I literally, the, like her next line basically literally. is another amazing line that I want, an, another scene that, that I want to play because she's just so November. funny. Oh, I always take my Christmas show in advance. Oh. That way I can spend the season of joy and goodwill with my only sister in Florida. Oh, oh that's nice. <laughs> she's kind of a creep, but she's got a pool. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, even this, even when she's like, you know, she, she knows, she knows again, that people think of her as the Christmas jolly person, but then she's like, I'm going to Florida. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm doing the least Christmassy thing by being in a beachy place with a pool and like chilling out. Like it's so perfect. I loved like when she says like, she's kind of a creepy, but she's got a pool. Anyway, I love her timing and you can hear it when she's like, you can barely hear the anyway, cause the audience is laughing yeah. So hard. And also another Golden Girls, Florida. I was like, come on. It's written everywhere. There are Golden Girls things <laughs> because we are secretly are the member berries in us. We are secretly embedding. We are all embedding Golden Girls stuff into every other project that these women watch. Um, so so she announces to all of her coworkers like, hey, look, I've cooked all these dishes 
um, you know, for my special, I'd love for you all to come down and taste them after, you know, every, everybody's done working and, you know, we can sing Christmas carols and play Christmas games. And she says, uh, there's this wonderful game from Finland. Oh, wait for, for that one. You need three little boys and a peasant's wife. <laughs> and again, I was like, sounds like Rosen Island. Yeah. If she had just delivered that line differently, mm-hmm. it would have been a Rosen Island line. Yeah. Like, Oh boy. Like, and we can't get those this time of year. Like that would have been, if she had delivered it that way, it would have been Rose, but this was more like, ah, oh, dang, like, yeah, uh, it was just it's it's, it's so good it's and so, so funny. It's so pro- you guys need to watch this episode. It's such a fun Christmas moment. It it's just it's so well written. So everyone, they all have excuses as to why they can't, you know, make it. Mary's meeting someone at the theater. Murray has bridge plans. Lou's like, I'm free, but I'm not coming because yeah. and it was like very That's very Lou. funny. Yeah. Um. So, but then as it turns out nobody's going to be able to do their plans because there's a big snowstorm and everybody's being getting stuck at the, the station way in which the Mary Tyler Moore show used the weather predicaments that Minneapolis men is, I think it's Minneapolis that where like the weather Midwest weather conditions in story plots was kind of iconic. I mean, snow big factor in this, in this series. I love that. And it, 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 and it's fun because it's almost yeah. like the weather is another character. Yeah. Um, so, so Ted comes in late. Um, he was, you know, his car got stuck. He had to walk in the snow and, uh, and he comes in and he gets upset when he realizes that Mary chose the line for him to say the way that Murray had written yeah. it. Um, he's like, no, no, it still says around the corner, around the world. I want to say around the world, around the corner. And, you know, and he's like, you know, this isn't me. And he goes out and he says it his way. Yeah. And Murray gets so mad that he quits, mm-hmm. except Murray can't leave because they're all snowed no. in. Yeah. So Ted, Murray, Mary, they're arguing. Lou comes in. Mary starts kind of yelling at him. You know, they're all yelling at each other. They're all in bitchy moods because they're stuck there. And Sue Ann Nivens, of course, yeah. comes in so cheerful. Have you heard the great news? We're snowed in. The streets won't be cleared until 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> So great. So she she makes a pretty compelling argument as to why everybody should now come to her set and enjoy her food. Well, and it's I like think a we should set. It's a homey set. We should play that clip. A, we should play that clip. Now you're going to have to eat sometime. <laughs> the choice is yours. You can have a package of stale peanut butter crackers from the vending machine, or a sumptuous eight course banquet with me. Featuring souffle to l'argent, ville à la grecque, and enough free booze to knock you all on your keister. Yeah, I mean, she knows how to get people in her corner. She knows how to connive people into doing what she wants, and I love it. I love it. I feel like I like to think that because she said there's enough free booze to knock you all on your keisters. I like to think that she wasn't even doing any meals that had like accompanying cocktails. Yeah. She just told the producers she was so that they would buy a bunch of booze for her. And then she was like, Oh, I was going to do cocktails. I forgot. I guess we'll just drink <laughs> her Christmas set. Adorable. Her Christmas set looks absolutely beautiful. So yeah. homey, just reds and greens and warmth and so great. Um, Lou, uh, sort of is walking past her at one point and she goes, Lou, do you know what that is? And he looks up and he's like mistletoe and she plants 
a big fat kiss on him. So good. Like, I'm going to post that clip on Instagram because it is one of my favorite moments. It's so good. And then after she kisses him, she says, actually, it's asparagus fern. But what the hell? <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. Did I hear that incorrectly? Or what is asparagus fern? It's isn't it just the 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 leaves of the asparagus like you you when you're cutting off the asparagus like because we get it of course in bundles at the grocery store but as it grows it has like leaves to it I believe oh I'm looking oh apparently it's a common house plant oh I've seen this hmm. are there like leaves oh like mistletoe type leaves um mm, I I mean knowing, it, knowing like human Nivens, she would she would find a way to make him look like a mistletoe. Yeah. I it may actually be a plant that is not related to asparagus, but I'm not I'm not willing to do the Googling. But I don't know. Either way. Um I thought maybe I heard it incorrectly. Um so then again, oh, this is just guys, everybody, you have to watch this episode. We are not oh, doing good. it justice with the with the humor here. Then she gives them all different hats to wear. Yeah. And they look for the different countries. Ridiculous. They look ridiculous. And, and they do this to Lou Grant and oh. Esther so much that, like in so many episodes, they they put Lou in situations where he's this grumpy man. He's very much the character he voiced in Up, in the Pixar film Up. He is that man on this show. And when in real life, I heard he was like the most lovable, like, awesome politically involved liberal person that's nice he was such a huge great human being and he also did a lot for lgbtq rights i will say anyway um but he he, he sort of is this scruff angry man in this ridiculous hat and it's just funny it's like when dorothy has to wear the birthday hat mr haha's yes. hot dog hacienda yes. those are the vibes where you have this like curmudgeon but you respect them mm -hmm. and they are so miserable wearing something so silly so there's a great line where when she's telling them, you know, they should wear the hats, Lou's like, we don't want to wear hats. We're not children. And she goes, I know you're not children. Now put on your hats or you won't get dinner. And I thought it was so funny. <laughs> they start singing. I, I, I can't even, this is just, again, such beautiful writing and directing and just acting. They start singing the 12 days of Christmas yeah. because it's in the song book that Sue Ann has provided to them. And you just have to watch this episode, the way that they're singing it, but they're still arguing. They're still angry. They're still, they're arguing, they're managing. There's, there's like, there's subtext between each line of the song yeah. as they're singing. And it's so brilliant. And yeah. it's, it's just so brilliant. So they're still arguing. It they reminded finally... me of the, the 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Remember when they were driving back from, I think, Georgia or something on the Golden Girls and Rose is singing 99 bottles of beer and she gets down to two and Ro Dorothy's like you stop at two and then Rose goes just kills you doesn't it <laughs> ah that's right and she and walks it, into the kitchen kind of yep. reminded me of that because there is sort of like a time-lapse moment here where they get to like 12 days eight days you know uh-huh yeah it's again in this whole episode again it's about a silly fight um, so they finally, with all of their arguing, they finally put Sue Ann in a bad mood. because She's like, I cooked all this food. I just wanted to like have a nice dinner of all this together. And like, you're all being assholes basically. Mm -hmm. So everybody's pissed. And then Ted's wife, what's her name? 
Her, well, the actress's name is Georgia Ingle, but the character's name is Georgette Franklin. Georgette. So Georgette starts singing Silent Night to like save the moment, to try to lift everybody's spirits. And again, Golden Girls. It reminded me the women are all sitting around looking at the tree yeah. and it's Rose. And she's like, silent night, holy night. Did I ever tell you about the time? And again, yeah, like yeah. another example of Rose interrupting, Although, like Georgette, stopping a song. Georgette does it. What I love about this in this scene is that Georgette's character sings it so beautifully. And her character is meant to be so sweet. I don't know if she's Ted's girlfriend or wife. I could be wrong on that. But they're I think together. he said wife. Did he? Okay, yeah. Um, and and I'm just surprised at the different last names. I don't know why that is. But um they might have been progressive for the time. Maybe she kept. I was her. gonna say maybe, feminism. Maybe. Her character really wasn't that, but I don't. I, we'll, we'll, I'll do some googling about that. Anyway, Georgette is so sweet and so nice and so she's the rose of the Mary Tyler Moore show. She's so naive and loving. earnest. And the fact that she's singing this song so earnestly and so sweet, and everyone's kind of touched by it, and then Mary thinks that maybe she has an in here and she can settle this argument, but no. I love, I loved that moment. It, it, it did, it did genuinely take me by surprise where she, yeah, Georgette is singing and Mary's like, can anyone remember why we were even mad? And like, like uh, Ted and, um, and Murray, they're like, yeah, it's cause he didn't want to say the line. Yeah. And I didn't want to do yeah. the thing. And she's like, and Mary's like, yeah, no, me too. Like, and they're all still mad, which is really funny. And that's what makes this scene and this show. I think this, that moment to me personifies so much of what was so great about the Mary Tyler Moore show, because you know, you have these moments on television shows where you, you can't, you can, you can see the ending. You can expect what's coming. Like you were saying, you were surprised by this because you expected Mary to resolve things and everyone to be happy and come together for Christmas and all of the things. But this series plays with your expectations and then turns them on their head in like the funniest of ways. So that because in real life, yeah, people would probably still be pissed, even if she sang Silent Night or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so great. But then they do end up all like apologizing to each other and they sing deck the halls and it's really, really sweet. Um, but, but, but the way they went from that, like we're all still mad, that funny moment to then actually there's like a genuine turn where they all kind of apologize to each other. And it, it, it did, it felt so organic. Like it was so, it was just so great. I, yeah. I, I loved it. And then, yeah, the, the ending is just them all singing Deck the Halls. It's just and the, it's one of those. They do it twice. They do like a double take of it. Yeah, because I think the last one was probably like the tag of the show. Um, and it's nice because it, it's in those moments where you're seeing, it's the, you know, the characters are singing it, but by then you're, it's the actors doing it. And you sort of feel like you see the actors themselves for a moment yeah. because they're just singing deck the halls for the tag. Well, and you see, just, you see that fun. moment between Mary or Mary Richards and Lou Grant in that Lou Grant has, what do you expect Lou? Cause you don't, well, you don't really expect Lou Grant to do it, but he's like, you know, follow along and he goes really deep and like makes it dramatic. Yeah. And then Mary's just laughing. And you know that that's Mary Tyler Moore. That's not Mary Richards. And it's just, it's what we love in shows like this, that breaking of the fourth wall and seeing these characters that we love so much. I also, I forgot to say too, which again, it's so, it felt so Betty White and it's something Rose would have done too. And it's something Sue Ann Nivens did when they were doing um, the 12 days of Christmas, mm -hmm. everyone, because again, they're sitting there like Dorothy at Mr. Haha's Hot Dog Hacienda 
wearing their silly hats, all pissed. They don't want to be there. She's making them sing 12 days of Christmas to get their dinner and their dessert. And it's, everybody's kind of like, um, you know, uh, you know, seven, I don't remember them. So I apologize. I'm getting them wrong. Like eight maids of milking, seven yeah. swans are singing, six geese are laying. And then it gets to Sue Ann Nivens. She goes five <laughs> and it's so it's so perfect. perfect. It's so perfect. <laughs> and that's it's kind so of the perfect. episode. That's the episode. That's the episode. It's so brilliant. Just watch it. It's so good. It's like, I, part of me wants to say it's wholesome because it feels wholesome to me, but it's not. It's, it's, it's kind of like radical in a lot of ways. It's very much not what you would expect of 1970s show. You know what I mean? And this wasn't a Norman Lear show. A lot of people expect like, Norman Lear to be the shocking one in the 70s, which he was, rightfully so. But this show was kind of counterculture in a lot of ways, too. And I think people sometimes forget that, that this isn't just like this wholesome show. These are real characters reacting in real ways, in funny ways, but real funny ways. It's just so good. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, boy. Should we, um, I don't know, should we take a little yes. break and then do some GTs? I want a GT now. We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your golden takeaway from this episode? I feel like this is kind of a given, but Christmas comes and goes so quickly. And something I appreciated about this episode was that they were kind of doing Christmas in November. Mm-hmm. I know there's a joke that come November 1st, Mariah Carey bursts out of her snow globe to sing yeah. All I Want for Christmas. But I feel like I really want to start embracing the Christmas season even sooner. Like if you're, I'm like, if you're looking right now, it's just yeah. you looking, it's not the listeners, but you can see I have a but tree behind tree me. Up. Yeah. But we just started putting the lights up. Anyway, it's already December. I was like, you know what? Next year, we're going to just start Christmas a lot earlier we're going to start listening to the music that's how i am with the holidays in general i start as soon as it becomes thanksgiving time i'm in the holiday spirit and to me i sort of lump it all together like november and december is the holiday they're one month to me and it becomes the holiday time now when it comes to like hanukkah festivities and like decorations and christmas tree decorations and stuff because we have both we have our hanukkah and section and then the christmas yes um when it comes to that, although I admittedly wanted it up before Thanksgiving, we waited until after Thanksgiving. We we had Thanksgiving, and then I think maybe the next day we put it up. So, like, that's, uh, to me, that's a comfortable space to be in. Start putting the tree up at Thanksgiving so that when December comes around all month long, you got your Hanukkah Christmas tree or any other holiday you celebrate joy in front of you. I like that. I like that. What's your golden <laughs> takeaway? My golden takeaway is not holiday related, although we should say to everyone that all month long we're doing holidays. So we're in the holiday spirit for the rest of the month with Golden Girls related holiday content. So get into the spirit, babies, because we are in the spirit and we are doing it. Isn't that right? That is right. I'm so excited for it. Anyway, my golden takeaway is because 
my direct, you, know, you guys know how much I love the Mary Tyler Moore show, but more so how much I love James L. Brooks. I think everyone should go watch Terms of Endearment because it's such a good movie. It's so good. It's like one of the most smartly written films. And a lot of people say it's like just a typical tearjerker, but it was kind of the first tearjerker. And the way the story is layered and the way the characters sort of connect between the mother and the daughter, it's just, it's just iconic. And the writing is just, it made me want to write in a lot of ways. Isn't it? Isn't Terms of Endearment what Rose and Jean watch at mm-hmm. the, yes. um, what is it called? Like the Crimea River Fest at the Rialto or something? I think they saw Terms of Endearment and Dr. Shvago, if I'm correct. I could be wrong on the Dr. Shvago part, but Terms of Endearment was one of them. Yeah. So look at that. That's a little wink, wink right there. Yep. The James yep. L. Brooks. It's so mm-hmm. good. You guys really should watch it. There's a sequel to it that I love just because I love Terms of Endearment, but don't watch the sequel because it is really bad. <laughs> What's it called? The Evening Star. And it's based on a book. I mean, um, uh, oh, God, he's an iconic author. I'm going to find out the name of the author right now. But it, it's, it's, it, both, both films are based on books that the guy wrote. Like, it's, you know, it's Larry McMurdy. He, he's, I mean, he's an iconic author. He's written so many things, mostly Westerns, which is surprising that he wrote this sort of, like, very female-driven book. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for Brokeback Mountain. He won an Oscar for oh, that. Oh, yes, wow. yes. So, you know, Larry wow. McMurdy is kind of iconic. Um, wow. But yeah, so good. Watch it. Watch it. Read it and watch it because the book's just as good. I've read it twice. Wow. That's a really great golden takeaway. Yeah. Um, well, everybody, that has been out on the lanai for this week. Hopefully next week there won't be a weird delay and I will sound better. <laughs> I think you sound fine. You just don't sound as crisp as you usually do. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, and you can hey, follow us on Hoo-Ha-Ha, which that's where we are, and, and they're doing all kinds of fun things, so go check them out. And you can also follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, Out on the Lanai Official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am H. Allen Scott slash Shady Pines on everything. And if you're in the L.A. area and you want to come to a fun, fun, fun show called Jingle Slay, the remix, um, next Thursday as of this recording, so it'll be December 15th here in Los Angeles. It's going to be so much fun holidays silliness crazy come on down it's free too but make reservations that's that's amazing oh my gosh sadie pines here for it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everybody i'm squidzy on instagram and squid eat squid on twitter and please if you have a moment rate review us wherever you get the podcast because the more ratings we get the more the show will get bumped up the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of golden girls fans and as always remember Stay golden. Stay golden with a delay. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing.